Welcome back to Cardio Conversations from MedTech Insight. It's a new podcast featuring interviews and conversations with leaders in the cardiovascular technology market. I'm editor Reed Miller. So last week we published our conversation with Dr. Christopher Pierkowski. He is the chief medical officer for Abbott's electrophysiology business. You can check that out on MedTech Insight right now. So to go along with that interview, I conducted a few more interviews with Abbott execs. And today we have a special extra edition of Cardio Conversations featuring an interview with Vish Shran. He is the Divisional Vice President of Product Development at Abbott, focused on cardiac rhythm management. So I talked to him about his role with the company's CRM division, how the company is shifting from traditional transvenous lead devices to leadless devices like the Avier VR. He talked a lot about making technology future-ready, so you can hear what he has to say about that. Now, Sean started out as an engineer with St. Jude Medical's cardiac rhythm management business uh, about 20 years ago, and then he joined Abbott when Abbott acquired St. Jude about six years ago. So he's been with the company pretty much his whole career. So let's get into the conversation I had with him. Just to let our listeners know, there was a slight technical problem, so I had to re-record the first question, so that might be noticeable. I'm sorry about that. Okay, well, thanks for talking to us. Since you've been with the company so long, I wanted to start by asking what you like so much about St. Jude and then Abbott, and what has led you to stay with the company for your whole career. Reed, thank you for the question, and thanks for giving me the time with this interview. So uh, let me start by saying. Yeah, as you mentioned, been uh, nearly 20 years with St. Jude Medical and Abbott, all in cardiac rhythm management. So it's been an exciting um, history for myself. And I, I love this. I love this area. I grew up uh, with in uh, the family of engineers and doctors, and I chose the engineering side as my career and uh, being able to service the needs of doctors with engineering solution really brings the intersection to medical devices and within medical devices, solving problems in the heart or cardiac uh, problems are really exciting because it's a very sympathetic situation. A lot of folks who I know within my family or friends have had cardiac issues, solving problems which I can relate to are really motivating. Finally, I would say that specifically for cardiac cardiac rhythm management, it brings in engineering disciplines, which are extremely vast, from mechanical, electrical, software, communications, materials. And one of my skills is integrating the needs of uh, all these engineering disciplines to provide uh, game-changing medical innovation. So kind of like day-to-day, what are the main things you're worried about? In my role as uh, Vice President of Product Development at Abbott Cardiac Rhythm Management, I oversee the product development and bringing to market, developing and bringing to market various technologies across the entire space of cardiac rhythm management, where we are uh, making pacemakers, defibrillators, cardiac monitors, and digital technology. Specifically, getting into the nuts and bolts, program management is an area that uh, I have to heavily manage, making sure that from the time we decide to develop a product to bringing it to the market and sustaining it in the market for um, for many years that a product does, my team is responsible of uh, ensuring that. In uh, addition to that, I'm a mechanical engineer by education, so I lead many of the functional areas of uh, mechanical engineering, where we are making the leads, leadless systems, mechanical IPGs, and uh, delivery systems, power components. So those are the other areas that I lead at uh, Abbott CRM. 
you mentioned uh, the leadless system, and I, I take it that that's a big part of what you're, you're focused on right now. The Avier VR is a major priority. I think it was mentioned as like one of the big five things that the company is worried about right now. And I talked to Leonard Gantz about this a couple months ago from your company, but maybe you could just explain from your perspective, why is it so important that Abbott be a leader in this kind of leadless technology? In uh, cardiac rhythm management, I mentioned uh, earlier that we sense and pace the heart when you have a slow heart disease, which is bradycardia. And uh, that is uh, pacing business as a whole. Pacing business is um, is uh, innovating. There's a lot of innovation in the pacing business again. And uh, industry leaders like Abbott and others are bringing miniaturized pacemakers, which which eliminate the need of a lead and, uh, and then various therapies associated with that. So that is an area of innovation that uh, the industry is driving towards. And on the other side, you have physicians who are also innovating in the space of physiologic pacing. And uh, they're driving with that as well. And of course, they need tools from the industry to provide that. But specifically, well, back to leadless, that is really exciting because that brings in a lot of new technologies in an area to solve the problem of eliminating the lead. The lead is the weakest member or weakest link in the entire cardiac pacing system. And eliminating that uh, brings a lot of benefits to uh, the patients, the physicians, the hospital groups, and the total cost of healthcare. We've heard that before, the lead is um, causing a lot of problems. So you want to make your devices future ready. So maybe just expanding on what you were saying about the lead, what was it or is it about the way CRM has usually been delivered that makes it not future ready? Uh, going back to what is not future ready, you mentioned about the leaded systems. The leaded systems have been in existence for over three, four decades. And uh, these are cardiac leads and uh, physicians know to implant them and use them. But moving to leadless is where we want to change the game and change how physicians treat patients who need bradycardia. A couple of things about the leadless system, the Avair VR leadless system, it's got uh, industry-leading battery life. And this battery life is extremely important as uh, physicians want to implant these devices into patients and don't want to change the battery or implant a new device uh, into uh, this patient, who generally is an older patient over 70 years of age and sometimes even higher than that. So having a larger battery is uh, critically important. We have the ability to also have what we call mapping capabilities, where we electrically map the specific part of the heart instead of blindly going and deploying a leadless system into the heart. So we're able to do that with the mapping capabilities that AVAIR brings. Uh, the third capability is if and when the disease state of the patient does change, and it's very likely that patients who have cardiac uh, challenges will have different disease states over time. We have the ability to retrieve the device, uh, to rotate the uh, rotate the pacemaker with a retrieval catheter uh, and uh, bring it out and replace it. But something most exciting about all of this is that this positions this Avair VR to work with future technology, which is what we call Avair dual chamber, where now you put two pacemakers, one into the atrium, one into the ventricle, and uh, it's upgradable to 
uh, that technology once uh, we get our uh, dual chamber system uh, FDA approved. Since you are a mechanical engineer, maybe talk about what was the insight that made that possible, whereas we've never been able to make it easy to retrieve the leads, for example. How was that invented or what, what was the insight that made it possible to make a retrievable system? That seems like something everybody would always want, but probably hard to do. It's clearly hard to do. And uh, the we thought about retrievability when we designed the pacemaker. It's not something that we considered down the road. It's something which was designed in. And we use technology which uh, is very popular in cardiac pacing, which is a screw or a helix-based uh, fixation method. And the good thing about a helix-based fixation method, one, it has been used in uh, cardiac pacing since the late uh, late 80s, early 90s, and really taken off. It is a standard today versus a time-based system, which is semi-permanent, or you have to uh, pull out the device or the lead to explant it. So we designed it with a helix-based system. So it required uh, innovation, even on the delivery side, so that you could retrieve it on the later on in the life of the patient. And uh, in the first-generation product, which uh, was called Nanostim. We've had retrievals off to about eight to nine years of uh, chronic implant uh, life, and they've come out really well. And the success rate of retrieval of uh, the first generation or the previous generation Nanostim product has been over 80%, over 85%. Because it, would, it seems that on the one hand, you, it needs to be able to screw in, so to speak, it needs to stay there, but then it also has to be able to come back. I mean, that's kind of true of any piece of hardware you have in your house, like it has to be able to go both directions, but but not too much. It's exactly like what we call responsible design, a screw versus a nail. Even yeah. in you decide, when do you use a screw? When do you use a nail? Do you use a screw when you know you want to take it out at some point down the road? Or you want less damage while implanting or uh, screwing in any screw. We talked about the battery technology. Where do you see that going? I mean, are we at the limit of, of how good that can be or, or how it, need, good it needs to be? Or can, can you make more progress there? Oh, absolutely. We we continue to make progress on how to improve battery life. We work with uh, industry and we suppliers who are excellent in this area. And, uh, we work with them and they're, they're evolving their technology as well. And it's actually helpful in today's times where electric cars are taken off. And that is bringing uh, more engineering into the good old chemistry of battery technology. So it's uh, very helpful that uh, there's general excitement about battery technology. So we have more room to go on the battery side. We also have room on the electronic side, mm -hmm. the engine, as we call it, the consumption engine. Uh, we continue to innovate to lower the current drain required for communication specifically. We are able to do this in our cardiac monitors uh, where uh, we get to lower and lower Bluetooth consumption, custom Bluetooth technologies mm -hmm. for medical devices. So bringing those technologies in with what we have in uh, leadless pacing and newer battery technology can is uh, going to be a lot of the future. In terms of where that goes, I mean, do you see there's a potential that we won't ever have to have leads at some point or, or they're being very rare? Yeah, our goal is our goal, and I'm sure many in the industry is uh, to change this paradigm of uh, how we do pacing today. Now, it's not something that is going to change in a couple of years. It's going to take a long time. But our goal is to work towards making uh, leadless pacing system standard of care. For that, we have to innovate uh, internally a lot. We got to improve uh, various aspects of it, improve safety profile, bring in new features, and bring in new capabilities, and also make sure that uh, where physicians are 
going with physiologic pacing that we can ensure that uh, we meet their needs as well. And is this technology that you're all developing on your own or, or is it something that you're shopping for? It is part of my job to know what we need to do in this space. So a lot of it, uh, we did acquire a company, Manistim, initially in 2012, 2013, nearly a decade back, which uh, started this off. And we have been innovating, um, innovating organically from that acquisition. So it's been it's been really good. And a lot of the innovation now in the future, we, we will continue to do ourselves, but we'll also look to see what uh, other uh, companies are doing outside and other technology groups are doing outside that we can consider. Uh, when I've written about these devices before, every now and then I will get emails just out of the blue from people who, who are asking me, should I get a leadless pacemaker? And of course, I have to write back and be like, A, I'm not a doctor. B, I've never met you. So I would be horrible for me to tell you the answer to that. Just in terms of how we address patients, from their perspective, how do we explain this to them and how can this really help them? Is this something that they can be pushing for? Absolutely. First thing is uh, the patient needs to go talk to the doctor as you see <laughs> okay. what their needs are. But uh, I can tell you generally about uh, what are the benefits. Uh, very recently, I met uh, a 71-year-old lady who did receive a leadless pacemaker and the reason she did is uh, she had bradycardia, and uh, but she spends a lot of time gardening, and she spends a lot of time lifting, lifting slow motions up mm -hmm. and down, and uh, having a lead and having a, a pacemaker in the pocket uh, with a lead attached to it uh, under the skin is very restricted for hand motions, especially uh, in the early, um, the first few months of getting a pacemaker implant. So moving towards a leadless system where you have no leads, you don't have a pocket. Is um, is much more unrestrictive to your daily life, and we want to make a pa a patient not feel like a patient again, and that is the goal. We want to make these devices so small that they don't have it shouldn't interfere with their daily life. And is there a cost part of this? Can this save money over time, or is that something you've looked into? I mean, anything we develop, we always ensure that it is bring bringing healthcare economic value to the entire system. Leads. We leads do break, but and they do cause a lot of uh, issues when you have to replace the lead, whether you have to extract the lead, go in, resurgery, and uh, go in for a new implant. But something what also happens are infections. And infections, a lead-based infection is very, very expensive. And I know when you talk to every any physician, they will tell you that their infection rates or uh, replacement rates of leads are very low. But you look at the national databases when you really have to get reimbursed for infections or uh, for lead damage, it starts to become, it's a big enough number that there is a lot of value to the healthcare system. Right. And, and payers are, are pushing back on the infections. They, they, they want to create incentives so that it's not on them to fix the infection rate. Is there anything else in, in sort of either in this specific space or in your group in general that you want to talk about as the big technologies that you're thinking about? Uh, beyond uh, leadless and miniaturization, uh, as I mentioned, we continue to evolve our remote management systems where uh, you talk about uh, remote monitoring devices, remote programming devices, uh, so that you have uh, less interaction of the patient coming back to the health, to the clinics where they don't want to come. It saves a lot of time. COVID has shown that a lot of things can be done remote. So uh, we invest a lot on the digital technology side to continue to re improve remote care. 
And finally, the third area is uh, what physicians are innovating on uh, physiologic pacing, how uh, we are bringing platforms and solutions in our pipeline to meet their needs as well. Yeah, we'll pay attention to that. Is there anything else going on that, that you want to emphasize or any like a big, big accomplishments lately that maybe we've neglected to mention? The, the last thing is, uh, I've mentioned this a little bit earlier, leadless dual chamber a leadless dual chamber, which is a VAR DR, is in clinical trial right now. And uh, we started clinical trial early last year. And uh, it's really exciting times when we bring it to the market. It is going to be the next big change in leadless technology. How far along is that? When do we think we'll have something to report from that? Well, we'll have uh, results and uh, we'll have results later this year. So we'll look forward to that. And then the that's the pivotal trial, right? That supports the FDA approval. Okay. So. Okay, well, that was it. Unless there's anything else, yeah, like I said, it's been it's been great, and I just wanted to take the opportunity to talk to somebody who's directly involved in these things. It's fantastic. Sounds good. Thank you. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks everybody for joining us for our conversation with Vishran. Uh, you can find this podcast and all of the other MedTech Insight podcasts at MedTechInsight.com. Just go to the top of the homepage. You'll see a drop down menu for podcasts. There you can also access all of our archive podcasts as well as podcasts from our sister publications like Script, Pink Sheet, HBW, and a lot more. Once again, I'm editor Reed Miller. Thanks and have a great month. Mm-hmm.